The Ringer's Charles Holmes and co-host Grace Spellman present the most notorious new podcast in the industry, The Ringer Music Show. Every Tuesday, they'll bring you the latest news, the hottest takes, and the deepest reporting about the wild world of music and the chaotic industry that creates it. Check out The Ringer Music Show exclusively on Spotify. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21+. plus. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. I'm tired of acting like I know a lot about these people. Because that that's, that's all that's happening here is we're, we're watching guys get promoted in, in jobs, right? And you don't know if a guy could do the job until he does the job. And you can only go off of his history so much where he's done this at this level. And this is what he has. I will say this. When it comes to young Matt Eberflus, uh, in, in some of the audio that I've heard and some of the, uh, the, uh, the sayings that he likes to use, you know, Ben, ben Solak talked about the hits theory, uh, the hustle intensity, uh, taking the ball away instead of takeaways. And uh, what was the last one? Uh, spirit or something of that. No, no. In smart situationally. Smart, smart and situational. So it's the double S. It's the hits. <laughs> or he could have just went with the <laughs> the rapping and just went with a Z. You know what I'm saying? He could have went with the he could have <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Old Matty E could have went with the culture and just hit it with a Z, the H I T Z and call it the hit squad. The next thing you know, he'd have had all the brothers, you know, who don't really play a lot on his side. Cause that's all you gotta do as a head coach. You gotta get the guys who don't really play a 
lot to be on your side to kind of sway the guys who hate you because they don't have to like you because they're really good at football. Hey, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. You want to? I, I, hey, hey, Chicago Bears. You could have saved yourself two hundred fifty to three hundred fifty k. Could have just came down to your homeboy. You know, cut me a check for twenty five grand. And, and I'd have told you, <laughs> keep the dudes who don't like the coach away from the dudes who do like the coach. <laughs> uh, run the football, <laughs> bear weather, blah, 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 blah. I, I do like this, though. I do like the fact that, that the reports are coming out that Ryan Poles is like, oh, man, thank you for these candidates, Bill. I'll see you out of here. Uh, you want me to walk you out? Or you you need an Uber? Like, do you need... Well, what, what can we do to get Bill Polian to, as safely as possible to the airport? Uh, no, I, you know, we talk about we don't know a lot about these candidates. You know, we don't know a lot about Matt Eberflus, but that's the one thing I did like about this whole thing is you found out how the process unfolded. <laughs> if, if the reports are true, it's Ryan Poles went in there, like you said, and he knew his guy. He, he targeted Matt Eberflus, and he's like, you know what? This is my guy. Thank you very much, Bill Polian. And he kind of took it over if, if that if the reports are true. So I appreciate yeah. that element because, you know, with the Bears, you just never know. Like, if Bears fans know, like, who's making the decisions here? Like, you know, there's so many different layers of the onion you got to pull back to figure out what's going on, the roots of the, of the problems. But this, knowing you have a, a GM that's grabbing the reins, like, no, nah, no, nah, this is my show here. For better or for worse, you know, we'll find out if these people are good very quickly. <laughs> and I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to find out, right? Like, there's a, there's a few metrics that I'm using, and none of them are scientific, by the way. Because after a while, only only so many times can I hear about, like, trees and, and where guys come from and who they, you know, who they interned for. That don't mean shit. You know, Andy Reid, if, if it was as simple as knowing a really good coach, then all you'd have to do is go to, like, three or four coaches in the history of the NFL and find all your coaches, right? Like, taking a look at, at what's going on, in the playoffs right now. Nothing but offensive coaches, right? And of course, Bill Belichick doesn't have Tom Brady anymore or else he'd be the mainstay as a defensive coach who's always around. Sean McDermott, defensive coach, did what he had to do with Josh Allen. I, I, I'll say this. I don't know how good a coach Zach Taylor is, to be honest with you. And, and watching, um, you know, more than a handful of Cincinnati Bengals games this year, he might just have Joe Mix and Jamar Chase in the number one pick from a couple of years ago in Joe Burrow and might be hiding behind that. And maybe we'll see those uh, insufficiencies uh, or inadequacies uh, rear their ugly heads during the AFC championship game. I don't know because I've seen guys who I know that people don't think can coach get far. All right, Barry Switzer is a Super Bowl winning head coach. He won it with Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones' players, but he won a he won a Super Bowl. And you don't even have to go back that far. I mean, a, a guy like Mike McCarthy who uh, gets the job with Dallas and they have a terrific offense, and then you get to the point where it's time to you know be coached up or not, uh, you know, not. Be- <laughs> not have what 14 15 seconds stymie you to only one play ran like these are the things that we have no idea until you're thrown in the moment if that guy's the guy or not i, I i'm not going to even say you got to trust it right because i'm not trusting anything like, other than the results like we, we've got our jumping off point as bears fans now ryan poles and matt eberflus are the next in line to either be um you know cheered or booed and we'll see i i do know this though the 3-4 to 4-3 defense conversion, um, you know, it's a lot easier than it used to be. 
Back in the day, you had, you know, hulking inside linebackers, and then you had your, your bigger edge rushers on the outside. Now, you know, four, three defensive ends and three, four outside linebacker edge rushers are pretty much uh, similar in, in weight size and, and, and dimensions and things that you want, and unless there's a certain characteristic body style that Matt Eberflus wants to run his defense. Khalil Mack, Travis Gibson, who had defensive line experience in college, and Robert Quinn, who's played a 4-3 defensive end. Um, I'll be interested to see if Roquan Smith has moved from that inside linebacker to that weak side linebacker spot because of the, how important it is in that cover two base defense. We saw it here with Lance Briggs for years, and, and Lance Briggs went to several Pro Bowls because of how much traffic is funneled that way when they're base when in, when they are in their base four three defense so you know find who your your, your three technique or your nose tackle is going to be uh find out who your weak side linebacker is going to be find out who your your boundary slash slot corner is going to be those two guys and you figure it out safety wise there's going to be some issues right because you know having man's having straight man safeties as opposed to zone coverage safeties and that's the other thing. Matt Eberflus showed he was malleable enough to play, you know, one high a lot more last year with the Indianapolis Colts. And Darius Leonard, you know, he's you've got results in, in guys he has coached up to all pro slash pro bowl status. Now, you may say Darius Leonard was a gem waiting to happen. They had to go to South Carolina State to find him, though, right? He had to go to Orangeburg, South Carolina. Shout out to the great HBCU, South Carolina State. That's where my sister and her fiance went to school. But yeah, man, he, he's he's got enough uh, on his resume where it's not like uh, what the hell is going on here higher. But I'll be honest with you. If you were going defense, uh, there were a couple of guys that uh, probably had more chops, probably had more skins on the wall or in recent cachet. Of course, Brian Flores, right? I mean, you know, nobody expected Brian Flores to be available. And the fact that he was available and a guy that went to college with him that has a previous relationship with him didn't pick him is up for you to decide. Right. It's up for you to decide. Or maybe Brian Flores takes a look at this thing and says, you know what? I just dealt with Tua Tonga-Vailoa. If I could pick where I want to land, let me see where Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams end up. Right. <laughs> like, like, let me see. Let me see how good Pittsburgh is looking maybe next year after I take a defensive coordinator job and Mike Tomlin maybe wants to hang him up. So, you know, I, I'm all about the best chefs being able to pick the restaurants they want to work in. Right. And right now, you know, the Bears are looking like a fast food spot. So so I can dig that. Uh, but the whole Ryan Poles thing, the Matt Eberflus thing, this is um, this has been done swiftly. You know, a week ago, Bears fans were still licking their wounds, trying to figure out what the hell this is going to be. Now you can kind of have some semblance, and now we go from here. I here are the things that I worry about. The things that I worry about is he's an acronym guy, and he's a he's a super coach speak guy. And I don't know if you're looking around. But Sean McVay, outside of his like genius memory, his dude's got a podcast. Like he's not hitting you with all the acronyms. Like he's a younger dude who's, uh, you know, he's. You know what's so funny about Sean McVay too? Sean McVay is uh, characterizes like this young, great offensive mind. Sean McVay is like a in between the tackles, power running game, play action, play caller, right? Like he he's a he's a. a, a a far cry from the air raid and, you know, all the stuff that you think is coming out of college because you think a, a young guy is just a young guy. He's a dude who's got, who's got his, his playbook and his formula steeped well in the tradition of, you know, Mike Shanahan, who was zone read, one cut, you know, get that running back, you know, pound it into the ground. Next thing you know, hit the play action. If you got a mobile quarterback, cut off one side, well, you know, 
have one side of the field be used simply with his legs and different route concepts, especially with a young quarterback, which is what you're going to need. So I'm 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 not putting too much on the hire, and I know this is a bad place to be in when you're talking about you know sports talk and 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 hot take uh, ism that 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 you know um, floods our, our our you know our marketplace. I don't have a hot take on this guy. If you have a hot take on Matt Eberflus, God bless you. I don't because I've seen many a coordinator who was terrific at the coordinating job. And then all of a sudden you had to be the CEO of a squad and it gets out of your reach. You know, sometimes guys want more power, don't know what to do with it. Or sometimes guys get granted power and delegate too much. We have no idea what it will be until we start to see some of these hires. And the fact that Rich Bisaccia is is out there uh, as, as a candidate for the special teams coordinator, fine. If the Raiders don't give him the head coaching job, which it seems like, you know, they they may not, then fine. You know, put together as as tenured, as um, supportive a coaching staff as possible where guys aren't going to step on your feet and fall in line and be able to be taught the way you want to coach things. Because in the end, that's what it is. You're just relaying to coaches what you want to be taught instead of picking coaches who teach a certain thing and then all of a sudden having mixed messages or having a, a, a mixed game plan or having a mixed um, uh, plan of attack. So, yeah, if you want to hoot and holler about Matt Eberflus, go right ahead. I'm not stopping you. If you want to talk about how this is a great hire and nobody sees it coming and how this thing is going to take the Bears uh, organization to the next level, I can't stop you there either because I don't know. I watched the Indianapolis Colts play football last year. I've watched them play the last few years under Frank Reich. And defensively, they, they've been running around with a lot of names that people aren't uh, going to recognize, but some really, really good players, you know, at, at the slot cornerback with Kenny Moore, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner. I mean, these are these are names that maybe the most casual of fans don't know, but football fans know. And then, of course, Darius Leonard, who is one of the better inside linebackers in football. So if you want to credit all of that to Matt Eberflus, well, knock yourself out. Now he's got a chance to coach Roquan Smith, who's a different dude than Darius Leonard, but impact-wise, impact you know, Roquan Smith, I think, could play at the same le level as Darius Leonard. The thing I do worry about, though, is if Kevin Petullo from the Philadelphia Eagles at the time that we're taping this is the lead candidate for the offensive coordinator position, if this guy is really good at his job, which you're hoping he is, when is Justin Fields going to have to be on his third offensive coordinator in, you know, four or five years? Like, these are the things where if you do hire an offensive head coach, you know that whatever success you're going to have, he's your head coach. He ain't going nowhere. And so his offensive game plan, uh, his philosophies, the way he wants to instill certain things and, and, and the tricks in his playbook don't leave if you have success. Now, we're all rooting for success for the Chicago Bears if you're a Chicago Bear fan, so you have to be aware of that as well. Um, hopefully it's that way and not the other way where you're just rifling through coordinators because none of them get the job done. But yeah, this is a new era in Bears football. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear that Ryan Poles got the gig and, and had the choice. If Ted Phillips and, and, and one side of the, the building were leaning towards Dan Quinn and Bill Poling and George McCaskey were leaning towards um, uh, Jim Caldwell and and Matty Eberflus is the guy. Cool. I just want to. I just wanted to be sure, and, and and I am hoping I should say not even be sure, but I'm hoping that it wasn't the choice of here's three or four guys you pick, 
instead of Ryan Pohl saying, oh, I'm glad you guys did your background work on Matt Eberflus. This is a guy that I've been interested in for a while from afar. Now that I have this gig, I can go ahead and push the button on him. I'm hoping it went down that way. But we'll find out. And the only way we won't find out, ladies and gentlemen, is if this thing works. Because if this thing works, we're not going to be hearing about who hired who and why, right? We're going to be hearing about, oh, this is a group think, or Ryan Poles had decision-making from day one, and he made his decisions. Either way, uh, as a Bears fan, I'm kind of excited because now, as my son gets into the age that I was in when I first got introduced to football, you know, the first coach I ever got introduced to was Mike Dicker. And watching him and Johnny Morris on the Sunday morning shows right before I was going to watch whatever Bears ass whooping I was tuning into with my dad. Like now, my 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 kid, you know, he, I guess he's coming up in the Matt Eberflus era. And, and, and we'll see. We'll see. Um, I, I hope Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles put as much as they possibly can around Justin Fields for this thing to thrive. Because let's face it, y'all. Outside of San Francisco 49ers, who also have themselves an innovative offensive play caller, there's not a lot of you know quarterbacks out there who you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I don't know how they made it here, right? Like, the 49ers had to go to Green Bay and be one of the all-time greats to get to this point. I don't want to have to rely upon a great defense every single year like I have been for the last 41 years of my life. Like, at some point, I want sustained offensive success, and if you have a defensive coordinator, then there should be no real reason for uh, extended defensive drop-offs barring any kind of unforeseen injuries. So the next head coach is Matt Eberflus, and if the next offensive coordinator is Kevin Petulo, well, then guess what? Kevin Petulo, all the pressure's on you, my man. <laughs> We've seen this before on the defensive side of things. If Matt Eberflus's defense is getting chewed up and you're out there scoring 30 points a game, I think we'll figure this thing out. If Matt Eberflus's defense is getting chewed up and the Bears are out to score 16, 17 points a game, we'll be right back where we are right now. So uh, to Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles, hey, it's on you. Show us what you got. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And, you know, we have a saying here, we, you know, we play on the hits principle and it's really, it's really starts with H, you know, the H is the hustle part of it. And then the I is how we play with intensity. You know, the T is taking the ball away and then the S is being smart situationally. So we, that's the pillars we've had since we've been here. So the Bears have themselves a new head coach. Matt Eberflus has been dubbed the 17th head coach of the Chicago Bears franchise. J.J. Stankovitz knows not only about the Indianapolis Colts because he covers them right now, but he also understands what the Chicago Bears organization is and can be at times because he's covered the Chicago Bears as well. J.J., thank you so much for your time, man. Thank you for jumping on the Full Go podcast with us. Uh, tell the people. What should we expect from Matt Eberflus in your time covering him, being around him, understanding the dynamic that the Colts have uh, in their organization? Whoa. What are we getting in the head coach? 
Listen, first up, Jason, I've been on the Matt Eberflus hype train since 2007 when I arrived to the University of Missouri and saw him as the defensive coordinator of my beloved Tigers. So I'm going on about 15 years now being a a Matt Eberflus fan. But, you know, getting to see him work up close this year, what the the Bears are going to get is a coach who sets a very clear standard for his players and other coaches in how he wants and expects things to be done there's no gray area. There is no special treatment. You know, whether you are an all pro linebacker or you're a guy trying to make his way on the roster, the expectation is the same. The accountability is the same if you don't meet that expectation. So that that's where it starts with him as a leader. But the other thing, you know, Jason, about him is he's so good about the way that he thinks about football. He has a philosophy He has a way that he wants to play defense. And I'm sure there's a way that he wants to play offense too, but he's not, it's not rigid. You know, he can, he can be malleable with the way that he, he wants to scheme things up. I mean, the the Colts this year, they play a lot of Tampa too, which we, you know, y'all know in Chicago what that looks like, but this year the, the Colts played a little bit more man. They played more man than they ever have this year because Matt Eberflus thought it would be an important wrinkle to add to the team that he has, to the roster he has, and to some of the defensive game plans that he was going to create this year. So they did some different things with match coverages this year. It was a really interesting way to kind of build on the the scheme that he already has in place in in Indianapolis. And I think that stuff is so important as you look toward what he might do in Chicago is that he's not going to walk in the building from day one and say, this is how we're playing football, other than you're going to play with a lot of intensity and a lot of energy. From a schematic standpoint, he's going to walk in and say, hey, what, what, what players do we have here? What's the roster? What coaches are we hiring? And how can my leadership and my football acumen bring the best out of everyone who plays and coaches for me? What in his background, you just mentioned he's malleable and, and he'll try to mold things around the talent that he has. What from his background can lead you down the road of where he is going to fall offensively in terms of the, the kind of team that he wants to be coaching? Of, of course, the offensive coordinator hire is going to be the second most important hire in the situation because of what Justin Fields is supposed to be trading up for him, having a foundation and also having a franchise quarterback that they believe is ready to take off. What does Matt Eberflew strike you as when it comes to this is the kind of head coach he's going to be offensively? A run-heavy guy? Is he a guy who's going to you know throw the football around? Defensive coaches, you know, I, I don't like to tab him as, as, okay, run the football special teams defense because we've seen defensive head coaches uh, just throw it open and say, my defense will take care of it, but we need to score some points. So what, what, what do you think his offensive profile would be, even though he's on the defensive side of the football? I think it's whatever is best for the roster he has and the roster he's inheriting has a pretty darn good quarterback on it in Justin Fields. So, you know, maximizing that talent. I mean, look, Jason, I've said this to a bunch of people this week that Matt Eberflus, you know, he got the second interview in Chicago. He, he wound up getting the job, but he also had a second interview with the Jacksonville Jaguars, another team that took a quarterback in the first round last year. So whatever plans he has to surround a quarterback with the right people, and whatever plans and vision he has for that position, they're probably pretty good because it, it's not like the Bears were reaching. You know, the only team that was into Eberflus, they, they were into Eberflus just like the Jaguars were with a young, promising, talented quarterback on their roster. So, you know, whether it's run heavy, it's pass heavy. I mean, look, you know, it, it can go in a couple different ways. I think it, if it would be wrong to reflexively say 
that Matt Eberflus just wants to run the ball because he's def- he's a defensive minded coach. I mean, sh- like look at Sean McDermott up in Buffalo. Like that that dude. The, the Bills pass it more on early downs than any other team in the NFL. They're the most pass heavy offense in the league, and they have a defensive minded head coach. So just because that's the background doesn't always mean that's what's going to happen. And you think about the background because you t- you talked about that a little bit, Jason, with the Colts. You know, he you you saw. The I mean, every year has been different here in Indy. First year that Eberflus is here, 2018, Andrew Luck, they're throwing it a lot that year. Second year, Luck retires. It's more of a run-heavy offense with Marlon Mack. Third year, maybe a bit of a blend of that with Phillip Rivers as the quarterback. And then last year, Jonathan Taylor led the NFL in rushing by 520-something yards as the best freaking running back in the league. <laughs> so it, it, he's seen all that. But also, by the way, you know, he comes from a college background where – I was at Mizzou. They threw the ball all the time at Mizzou. Like Chase Daniel was slinging it to Jeremy Macklin and Chase Kaufman like it was no one's business. And like it, that, that's the other part of his background. So he, he can draw from those different things and those different experiences. I think that's what makes him such an enticing head coach candidate is that he's come up through so many different things. And then the other thing, uh, you know, talking about malleability, like this dude has been malleable in how he has approached his career. He was a Gary Pinkle lieutenant for 16, 17 years in, at the college ranks from Toledo to Mizzou. 2008, he decides, you know, I want to give the NFL a shot. But as a college defensive coordinator in the Big 12, which is not a conference known for playing much defense, he had to go take a uh, you know, position coaching job and worked his way up from there. So he, maybe he could have stayed in the college ranks and been one of those coordinators who gets a job as a head coach somewhere, lives a very comfortable lifestyle and, you know, goes off into the sunset. But he made himself uncomfortable going to the NFL and being a position coach and then working his way up as a position coach to becoming a defensive coordinator to now becoming a, a head coach. It's a really impressive background that he has. And, and it, it doesn't just happen. You don't work your way and follow the path that Matt Eberflus has followed without a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication to your craft, and a lot of different perspectives influencing who you are as a head coach. J.J. Stankovitz from Colts.com giving us the lowdown on new Bears head coach Matt Eberflus, right? J.J., of course, you you remember from NBC Sports Chicago, and of course, you know, he's 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 one of the gang. You know, he's, he's, he's a guy that we count on here for information. So, are Colts fans or is the Colt organization worried about Matt Eberflus cherry picking some of those positional coaches that you just mentioned he, that he ascended from? Is there is there some young talent on that staff that's looking for a promotion? Yeah, there there's a lot of young talent on this staff. Two guys, two younger guys to highlight here. Uh, linebackers coach Dave Borgonzi, uh, someone who I, th- I don't remember who floated it. One of the national guys floated that he could be a guy who could go with Eberflus. Uh, James Rowe, cornerbacks coach here. He came. He's got a really interesting background. This dude was a pitcher at USF, uh, started coaching cornerbacks at the high school level, goes to college. He coaches at Valdosta State, coaches a little guy named Kenny Moore the second there who winds up being a Pro Bowl cornerback under him with the Colts last year when they reunited. Uh, but the Colts this year got great production out of their cornerbacks. He saw some young guys like Rocky Seen and Isaiah Rogers take some really important steps forward. Kenny Moore the second's the best slot cornerback in the NFL. Um, you know, he, and Roe is a young guy. He, he's only spent one year with the Colts, but he's a young guy who has a lot of really good, uh, you know, the methods of coaching, you know, maybe he's a guy 
who the Colts look to keep. Eberflus tries to bring. We'll see. But the, the other guy to throw in here is more of a veteran on that side, Alan Williams, who's been the Colts' safeties coach. He's had a couple stints here in Indianapolis. Um, you know, with uh, I think he was here with Tony Dungy previously. Comes back working with Matt Eberflus. Colt, you know, Colts' safeties are really top notch. Julian Blackman, Kari Willis, and then some of the issues they had to deal with with those guys being out this year. Alan Williams did a tremendous job getting some depth pieces ready to play and playing at a high level. So, you know, you look at a couple of those guys, maybe there's some other guys on the staff who I haven't mentioned. Um, but, you know, look, the, the Colts have a really good coaching staff. Frank Reich is extremely detailed in the kind of people he keeps and, and brings in to this coaching staff. And that's the other thing about Flus is this dude wasn't even a Frank Reich hire. He was brought in when Josh McDaniels was supposed to be the Colts head coach. Everything happens with that. Frank Reich is hired. It's kind of this almost an arranged marriage, but it has worked out great. I mean, Frank Reich really respects Eberflus. He loves the way that he coaches and talks about the game and thinks about the game. And the, the fact that he's been on for four years and had a tremendous amount of success is a testament to the kind of person Matt Eberflus is, first and foremost. Speaking of arranged marriages, a lot of Bears fans are trying to figure out you know, is this a Bill Polian selection? Is this Ryan Poles' guy? Um, you know, and, and they're, they're conflicting reports about what, what's happening there uh, at Hallis Hall. You've covered the Bears before and understand that the hierarchy is, is weird in terms of who's actually making the decisions. Is it a consultant? Is it the money man? Is it one of the McCaskies? Uh, it, when it comes to Matt Eberflus and his his delegation of responsibility and acceptance of delegation. Like, is there, is he a guy that you think has been waiting for this moment so that he can uh, be more in charge? Or is he a guy that has no problem delegating responsibility because of the talent that he has surrounded himself with? I think a little bit of both, Jason. Uh, he's definitely been wanting this opportunity for a while. You know, he says he views himself as a, you know, a potential head coach. He told us that earlier this year and you know, he had an interview with the Houston Texans uh, last year in the last coaching cycle. Obviously, he had the, the interviews with the Jaguars that I mentioned earlier. But that being said, I, I think he has no problem delegating and trusting his coaches. That's something that Frank Reich does so well, is trusting his coaches and, and trusting them to do their jobs. I mean, shoot, working with Chris Ballard, same thing. In that Colts front office, Chris Ballard trusts his guys. He told us, uh, we had him on our podcast last week, and we were talking about Morocco Brown and Ed Dodds, two guys are interviewed for the Bears GM job. And the way Ballard put it is like, look, I just fold the tacos. Those guys fill them. I think that, <laughs> that, that mentality, uh, you know, kind of permeates the rest of the, this organization that, you know, you got to trust the people who work for you to do their jobs. And that Eberflus certainly does that, you know, whether it's, you know, bringing in a guy like James Rowe, who hasn't really done a lot of coaching at the NFL level. He spent a couple of years with Washington, trusting him to, coach those guys up properly and doing a great job of it this year, you know, stuff like that. Well, I, I didn't know how I felt about it going into it when I heard the name this morning, but, you know, hearing hearing more and getting more information, and let's face it, man, like in, in every one of these 32 franchises, there are coaches and people that um, fan bases who are more concerned with their team just aren't aware of, and you don't know what kind of job anybody's going to do until they get it, but you get as much research and as much, uh, you know, information from the people that are covering them as possible, which is why we we popped you on, and I... I um. You know, I, I'm I feel better about the the hire because 
a lot of stuff has been made about Brian Flores and Ryan Poles' interaction with Brian Flores and in and, and BC. I'm not saying that this is the case, but sometimes when you interact with a guy or or know a guy from back in the day and it's your time to pull the trigger on a coaching hire, there's a reason why you don't. Uh, and, and there's a reason why you go after a guy like this. I want to ask you this as we let you go. You mentioned Kenny Moore the second. Of course, Darius Leonard and, and some of the veterans there have spoken highly of him. Is there a player or uh, a unit that you could look at under Matt Eberflus and say that this this is uh, the unit or this player uh, was achieved his maximum potential because Matt Eberflus or Matt Eberflus put him in the in the positions where now this player is thriving and now this unit has become more than we expected it to be? Darius Leonard in 2021 became the first player in NFL history to have eight or more forced fumbles and four or more interceptions in a single season. Peanut Tillman didn't even do that. I mean, Matt Eberflus has a background in linebackers. You know, I saw some stuff with Sean Lee talking about him, the great Dallas linebacker, Darius Leonard. I mean, dude, this guy, three all pro first team, all pro selections in four years, three pro bowls in four years. Darius Leonard, when he got drafted, it was graded as like the worst pick in the draft in 2018. Darius is the highest paid linebacker in the NFL. And he is, he's unbelievable, man. Like th- this dude, every week he makes a play it is incredible. And Matt Eberflus being a linebacker guy, seeing how Darius has flourished. Um, you know, you can't help but think about what Matt Eberflus might get to do with Roquan Smith in Chicago and, and get excited about that. But I'll, I'll say this, man, like, Matt Eberflus told us before the season that in his defense, you need for it to be really good. You need a really good three technique. You need a really good will linebacker. You need a really good slot corner. The Colts, all three of those positions were pro bowlers this year. DeForest Buckner as a three tech. Darius as the will linebacker. Kenny Moore the second as a slot corner. So when those guys flourish and they flourish under Eberflus' system, so does this defense. They were second in the NFL in takeaways with 33 They've been one of the best ball hawking defenses in the NFL under Matt Eberflus. They've been top 10 in takeaways every year that he's been here. So as you start thinking about, you know, hey, what players are going to be good fits on a on an Eberflus defense? Like, remember those three positions that I just said, the three-tech defensive tackle, the will linebacker, the slot corner. You can get three of those guys. And oh, by the way, you got a guy named Khalil Mack on your roster, an up-and-coming cornerback, and Jalen Johnson. Robert Quinn, I heard, just set the Bears' sack record. Like, there's some talent there on this defense for Andy Eberflus to work with. I'm excited to see what he can do in Chicago, uh, you know, not only on that side of the ball, but then what his plan is going to be on offense because, you know, I, I, I think there are very – I don't have any doubts that Matt Eberflus is going to have success in Chicago. And, you know, Jason, I, I, I'll keep it real with you on that one. And this is a guy who – I really, you know, I, I'll stand up here and stump for that. I think he's going to be a really, really damn good head coach. I'm looking forward to it now. You, you, you've enthused me, my man. And on top of it, you know, the, the transition from a 3-4 to a 4-3, seeing which players fit and which schemes going forward. Um, this is this is what it's about. You you hire your general manager, you hire your head coach, and the Bears are off and running with Matt Eberflus. JJ, as always, man, good to see you. Good to talk to you. Thank you so much. And I'm sure the people will appreciate your knowledge and resources on uh, the Bears' new head coach. Hey, anytime, Jason. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. 
Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. He took the ball away. That's a big thing. We've been in the top 10 every year. When I was in Chicago, if you go through from a stretch from 2005 to 2012, similar defense, similar style, we were up there, I think one year we had an off year. I think it was 2008. The way we play, the players we have, the way they strip at the ball, we're pretty good at it, you know, and we've been in the 20s every year since Flus has been here. All right, as the coaching dominoes begin and continue to drop here in the NFL offseason, well, what seems to be the NFL offseason, even though we're on the precipice of championship weekend, we bring in Ben Solak from The Ringer to uh, kind of give us his thoughts on the newest head coach of the Chicago Bears. His name is Matt Eberflus. Now, we've talked to J.J. Stankovitz, who covers Matt Eberflus, or used to cover Matt Eberflus for Colts.com. We got his thoughts. And similar to some of the tweets that you threw out there today, Ben, uh, he's a culture guy, you know, gets people to buy in. He's detail-oriented, a hard worker. I got to be honest with you. I thought that they would go offense just because you look at, what, every division that was won this year in the NFL, aside from one, I believe, was won by an offensive head coach. Every division that was won was won by pretty much unanimously the best quarterback in that division. We understand the importance of cultivating, developing, nurturing a quarterback. And Justin Fields is that guy. If the defense is really, really good and Justin Fields is average to below average, this thing is going to look like it's looked like for the last 30, 40 years as a Bears fan. Right. Um, that being said, I don't want to cast any shade or any doubt on Matt Eberflus before he gets a chance to do the job. I'll just say this. I, I, I know better than to jump in uh, with both feet saying that this is a great hire. This is a poor hire. It's a hire. And we'll see. We'll, we'll see where it goes from here. Wh- what were your thoughts when you heard that Matt Eberflus was going to be the head coach of the Chicago Bears? Yeah, I, whenever we talk about head coaching hires, we start by saying that we're looking at a portrait through a pinhole, right? Like it is very, very difficult to watch an NFL team play and you know, watch the Colts defense and then say, all right, this means Eberflus is good or not of being a head coach. It'd be nice if those things were one-to-one. I'd make a lot of money if I could figure that out. I can't out here, you know what I mean? That's in the building people know and they communicate and then, and then you hope that you trust ownership and general manager to get involved in the right hire. So with what we can see through our pinhole, uh, Matt Everflus is a defensive uh, coach, clearly. Right? He's always been on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, in Dallas, he was under Rob Ryan. He was under Monty Kiffin. He was under Rod Marinelli, right? So they are four down. Uh, they played uh, early in Everflus's career in Indy. They played a lot of two deep, a lot of cover two. Uh, over the last year or so, they've gotten to be a little bit more exotic. They'll play like some cover one, match cover three stuff. Very much so not the same tree as Sean Desai, right? So they're one number one, they're going to have to have a, a bit of a shift there in terms of the personnel, especially on the back seven, right? When Everflus took that job in Indy, he was so big on his philosophy, on his principle, right? He calls it the HITS principle, H-I-T-S for hustle, intensity, 
taking the ball away, which it could just be turnovers. That's what always bothered me. Or takeaways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. So uh, hustle intensity, taking the ball away, turnovers, and situationally smart. Like that's what he believes in for his defense. Is we're going to be good. All 11 players have to have hustle intensity. They got to take the ball away and be situationally smart. So you got to get guys in who, who believe in this. And you might have a talented player who likes to be a little bit lax and maybe isn't as focused on being situationally smart. And, and so you're going to have a, a bit of a personnel change on the defense side of the ball for Chicago as they install that philosophy. Installing a culture takes time. So we, we expect that, number one. Then number two, like you said, Justin Fields is the guy here. Like he has to, he has to be, once you draft the rookie quarterback, clock starts and you have four years on that rookie deal, five years on that rookie deal to maximize what is one of the greatest advantages in the NFL, having a really good quarterback for really cheap. That is an amazing, amazing thing. If Fields is to be that guy, he needs to continue to be developed. And the Bears brought in a defensive head coach. He looks like he's going to hire Kevin Petula, who's a, a, a guy he knows from Indianapolis. So there's no proven quarterback developer kind of in the building. It doesn't. We don't really know yet what the plan is to bring Fields along, what offense they're going to run. And so you start to get worried that, all right, we're going to have a defense that needs to get turned over. We don't really know if we have the right quarterback developer yet. Are we going to be able to maximize Justin Fields' rookie window, yes or no? I would have felt better with a different hire trying to answer that question. Yeah, and and look, taking a look at not only the defensive transition that has to be made, trying to figure out a guy's offensive profile, and now talking about Kevin Petulo, you know, when your head coach is your offensive play caller or your offensive architect, you don't have to worry about somebody poaching him because he's probably going to be there as long as the offense is successful. When it's your defensive coordinator who's the head coach or a defensive-minded head coach who's the guy, if Kevin Petulo takes off in a couple of years and all of a sudden you're going to have Justin Fields, because of that success, have three coordinators in two years or three coordinators in three years, uh, is, there, is there any looking at that as uh, maybe a reason why this might not, not be a detriment but might be a little bit of uh, cross-purposes? Yeah, so it 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 certainly feels that way, right? That's intuitive. You go and you look back over the last like five years, 10 years, you don't necessarily get that phenomenon as, as often as you might think, right? It's not okay. necessarily as common, right? Like the I think the best example is like you look at a guy like Eric B. Enemy in Kansas City, right? Who like, you know, okay, Matt Nagy was there for the early Mahomes, the Bears hired Nagy, that the enemy's there. That offense has been amazing for three years. The enemy ain't go. He's in the cycle, but he's not getting hired. You know what I mean? Like Brian Dable is a guy who, you know, he was in the cycle last year, didn't end up going anywhere, right? He heads back. And so if the coaching market were like an efficient market and it, and it was predictable year in and year out, then we could say, oh, a good offensive coordinator probably gets hired. It's not an efficient market, though. So it's more difficult to say that. Where The way I like to frame it is more so saying there is a finite number of really good quarterback developers and offensive designers, right? It is it is hard to find those guys. There's a limited number of them. When you do, you can protect them when you're the head if you're the head coach. If you get one at the head coach position, you can secure him. So a lot of those guys have ended up head coaches, right? Like we think about what what Sean McVay and what Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, and Kevin Stefanski have been able to do for their passers, right? They get put in a head coaching role. Like even like Zach Taylor got hired probably a little bit early, but you put him in that role so that you know you got them and you, you feel solid about that. Since there's a finite number of those guys, the dudes who are offensive coordinators, Dable, Brian Leftwich, and Tampa Bay, are eventually going to become to be head coaches because there are just so few of them, right? So you can get that guy and you might be able to keep him for a couple of years, but because there's a finite number, if you think you have one of them, promote him and put him in a position where another team can't poach him. You know what I mean? So what do we see as the blueprint of how a defensive head coach wants to run 
uh, the offensive side of the football? You know, or is there are there numbers or there trends to where okay, defensive head coaches usually uh, just rely on defense and special teams in a running game, like the old cliche sounds like, or is, is there evidence to point to that okay, if you got a defensive guy, it just it doesn't mean there's a certain offensive profile that you can uh, kind of cast on him. Yeah, I think that you 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 don't say right now there's a certain offensive profile. Everflus is still like fairly like a younger guy, right? A little bit more of the younger generation. And so I think he's kind of maybe straddling that line. Like I said, he came up under like Kiffin and Marinelli. So you're definitely a little bit worried that he's going to be like, yeah, let's run the football, baby. And, you know, <laughs> Chicago should run it a little bit, right? Get Justin Fields involved, Dave Montgomery. Like that. that's not, that's not terrible. But then you'll get a guy like Brandon Staley, right? Who's there in the Chargers. He's a defensive-minded coach, right? He got tagged with a young quarterback in Justin Herbert. It might feel very similar to Bears fans. Like, oh yeah, first-year head coach, defensive guy, Justin Herbert. Herbert had a great second year. Yeah, but Staley has some very modern ideas about how things should work, right? And he's been very clear about those in the since he was hired. So if Matt Everflus comes out and says, I coached for four years in Indianapolis, we had so much trouble stopping all these elite quarterbacks, these elite passing games, because they did in Indy, by the way, just as an, as an aside, uh, you know, so we really want to go find one of those players and develop that sort of a passing offense, I'll feel great because it'll be nice to know that he's seen what he struggles with and understands that it can work against other teams. That's how he has to build the offense. There's a chance he comes out in that interview and says, you know, we want to bring toughness back to Chicago and, you know, whatever. Like, okay, go for like, it. Like, like he will be coached up to do, by the way. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and the thing is, like, that can work. It's just a more narrow road to walk than the other road where you get an elite quarterback, you sell out for the passing game, and you really try to win in that window. So, you know, like, like we said at the, at the top, you never really know. You got to watch and kind of see what happens. It's just trying to figure out what the culture is going to be like, the philosophy is going to be like, and how that trickles down. Tell us what we should know about Kevin Petulo and his time with the Eagles and before that. Yeah, so Petula was the passing game coordinator, right? Kind of passing game specialist in Indianapolis in 2020. And then when Nick Sirianni left Indy, he was the offensive coordinator, became the Eagles head coach. He brought uh, Petula along with him to be the passing game coordinator there. So you have uh, Petula's fingerprints on Philip Rivers' 2020 Colts, Jalen Hurts' 2021 Eagles. And you kind of like that. It's a very narrow window to your sample size. You don't really know how involved he was in both cases. But you like what you see because things changed. And that's always encouraging. When they brought in Phillip Rivers, they knew they couldn't run the Jacoby Brissett offense or the Andrew Luck offense, the offenses they ran in the two years previous. So they figured out, okay, we got to, you know, send this guy. Right, he really likes crosses. We're going to run more mesh. Okay, Naeem Hines is going to be important because Rivers loves to throw to backs. And over the course of the year, they changed their target distributions and their route distributions to fit what Rivers likes. Then you go to Philly. They were really struggling to throw the football to start the year. They became a lot more run-heavy down the stretch because that works for Hurts, works for their offensive line, but they also changed how they throw the football. They stopped trying to target middle of the field because Hurts couldn't get there. They were trying to be vertical. They started doing it with crossers and with corners instead of these deep, you know, nine routes that Hurts wasn't able to hit. So you've seen adjustment. That's really good. What I don't love is that at no point has he had to design an offense for a player as vertical as Fields. So if like Fields threw the ball the same way Hurts did, you'd be like, oh, cool, he's made adjustments, but this will make sense to him. Like he's already followed this roadmap. This is going to have to be more adjustments. He can't copy paste the Rivers offense or the Hurts offense. He has to develop uh, more verticality in both systems because that's how you have to play with Fields. When we look at the transitions that a defense has to make in personnel from going from a 3-4 scheme to a, a cover 2 scheme, and we saw it here for years with Lovey Smith and the, the most important players on that defense being Lance Briggs and Tommy Harris, of course, and Peanut Tillman, and, and of course, Brian Urlacher, who if you drop in the middle, in the middle of the third of the field and say just run backwards at 6-4, 260, it changes the game for you. Roquan Smith is a terrific player. 
How do you see Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack and some of these, you know, Travis Gibson, who had a terrific, uh, you know, I won't say utility season, but he had a terrific season in, in backing up, not just Robert Quinn, but taking over Khalil Mack when he got hurt. How do you see those players fitting in or will they fit in in a 4-3 cover two drop defense? It's a really interesting question. Mapping Smith to the Darius Leonard role is fascinating because Smith's a good cover player. Darius Leonard's a good cover player, but they look really different in terms yes. of, of how they're built, right? Darius Leonard's built a long, lean dude. That is not Roquan. Uh, and when you're playing zone cover as a linebacker, having length, you go and you look at the, the linebackers the Colts drafted, Leonard, Bobby Okereke out of Stanford, right? These are long dudes. It is not Roquan. So when you're in a zone dropper as a linebacker, having size is really helpful. You just occupy space. That's the whole point. Be big, close windows. So how Roquan maps into that is tricky. Eddie Jackson's another one where this this hustle, intensity, tackle, toughness kind of philosophy for Eddie is uh, is not necessarily one to one. So when I talk earlier about like, you know, maybe personnel changes, Jackson's a player who comes to mind. I just don't know how well he's going to fit philosophically in what they want to do. The front, I think, is going to be OK. We've seen Akeem Hicks be a mean son of a gun as a as a, you know, head up tackle playing two gaps and as a penetrator playing one gap. Eddie Goldman's been able to do both. He's a little bit better as a nose, but Goldman will be fine. Uh, the way they unlocked Robert Quinn, really, really impressive. But Eberflus has used these longer, leaner, bendier style edge rushers. They drafted Ben Bangu at a TCU. He's in that mold. Kamoko Toure at a Rutgers in that mold. Al-Kadeen Muhammad, who's a free agent this year, who the Bears are like 100% going to sign because Eberflus loves him. Like that sort of a mold has made sense for them. So I think he's going to be okay. And then Cleo Max is too good to be bad. You know what I mean? I think that you, you even if he's playing 4-3 defensive end and you probably could be getting more out of him, He's still going to be like a double-digit sack guy because that's who Khalil Mack is. So I have a lot of faith in the talent of that front. The back seven is where I'm I'm very interested to see what happens. So on the whole, Ben Solak gives this a, I hate to do the hacky ass, you know, great thing. Oh my God, I can't believe I even started to phrase that question that way. How do you feel about the hire, Ben? I don't. I don't love it. Uh, I would not have loved an Eberflus hire for pretty much anybody. Uh, I, I. I like the philosophy and I like the fact that he made some schematic changes over his time in Indy. I just don't watch his defense and think that works in the playoffs, right? Like it's just this, like if you remember the Eagles, Jonathan Gannon defense against Tom Brady and Tampa, like in the wild card round, it's just when you get an elite quarterback, you just try to play a lot of spot drop zone. He's going to dice you up. You know what I mean? You got to have better answers now. You got a better personnel than that. And so I don't love having that defense. So I, I wouldn't have really loved Everflus if he was in Jacksonville, Houston, wherever you want. Here in Chicago, especially with Justin Fields there, with how excited I would have been as an offensive coach to get in with Justin Fields, I thought you could have made a stronger hire on offense. So I don't love it. Like I said, though, pinhole, uh, painting through a pinhole, right? So we're going to ride this one out and see. But, uh, for my boy, Justin, who I love very, very, very much. I just hope they get the offensive coordinator higher right. No doubt about it. Ben, thank you for your time as always, man. I appreciate you. Look forward to doing this again. Of course, Jason. Be well, man. The Full Goal with Jason Goff. That's it for episode 57 of The Full Goal. We will be returning following Championship Sunday as Matt Eberflus begins to construct his coaching staff. We'll have all the latest news and insight on what this version of the Bears will look like in 2022. Plus, the Bulls and all-star DeMar DeRozan are hosting the Portland Trailblazers. We'll recap it all right here. Don't forget, as always, you can hit us up on the Full Goal voicemail line at 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. I want to say thank you to our guest, J.J. Stankovitz from Colts.com and from The Ringer, our guy, Ben Solak. I want to say thank you to our producers for making sure this thing is beaming through your AirPods or your car speaker, wherever you're listening to us. Steve Cerruti. 
Chris Tannehill, and of course, Jesse Lopez. For the guys, I am Jason Goff. Thank you so much for sharing, downloading, listening to, rating or reviewing, whatever you do with this pod. We appreciate you so very much for doing it. And as always, take care of each other and be safe.